The arrest was after my wife was found murdered outside. And for the next 18 years, I was behind bars for a crime I never committed. It just occurred to me that now as a single parent, I was there and I had to be strong for my kids. My kids were three and five, they were young kids. My last one was three, my boy was uh, five. The journey of a man on a death row to an advocate, the journey of grief and confinement, acceptance and reforming lives. 1998, December 19th, I was given information that my wife had been found killed outside Buruburu Police Station and I went there to be told under what circumstances she had lost her life. I didn't leave that police station that day. 18 years behind one of the most notorious prisons in the world might break a man, but not this 48-year-old. I was in remand from 99 January to 2001 May. His story, from death sentence to life imprisonment, is intertwined within a murder case. You're taken away, you're taken away from your kids. It's traumatic. It can break you, it can break the strongest person. After 60 days in Dreamland, Ouko was sentenced to death for the murder of his wife. I mean, I was unjustly convicted, I was behind bars, but that wasn't all. A new world ushered in, a season of darkness and worst of times. But this is the place you'd call home for an unknown number of years. My happiest moments was when I had my kids voice after eight years. Yeah, I mean, after eight years, I mean, seeing my daughter after eight years, and I didn't want to mention, but it was also one of my most embarrassing moments, that I could not recognize my own daughter after eight years. She had grown into this vivacious girl, and my mom, I think, thought the best way to get to know if I was still sane or not was to bring my daughter dressed in the same clothes, the same hairstyle, the same sneakers with my niece. So my niece and my daughter come, they're same size, they look almost similar, and they're sitting there and we're talking for one hour. At the end of it, mom notices like, hey, does this guy really know his daughter? So my mom asks like, why are you acting like you don't know who your daughter is? And I was like, this is the moment now. So I looked at the one who smiled first. I said, oh, I know her, this, she's there. But honestly, I didn't. So that was one of the most, that's one. <laughs> it was very embarrassing, but I'm glad she didn't know. Maybe she'll know now that I've spoken about it. <laughs> His solid posture and a far longing in his eyes speak of his unbreakable spirit behind bars. Now I have to live my life. I'm not going to live other people's lives. I'm going to prison, fine for something I haven't done, but there are other people in prison. People go to prison, they come out, they come out alive, they come out strong. So why not me? I saw an ex in leave Nairobi, not knowing where Hola is, and go organize a peace rally in Hola on behalf of Crime Sipoa mobilize the youth with the youth there, who are my heroes, people I'd never met, and we had a big rally in Hola Stadium to bring all the three communities together. And we were organizing all that from committee prison. 
without any resources other than goodwill from our friends out here. That got me back. I mean, through that was uh, my faith. I, I'm a very, I, I strong, I'm a strong believer, and I always believe that what God tells me that until He says no. Apart from pursuing his law degree, Ouko also spearheaded charity activities while peacefully serving his time. But when I was on death row, something happened. We mobilized all inmates in this country from death row to make a donation to hunger-stricken Kenyans. And that was my first time to move from death row to come to town without chains and make the donation to the then Vice President Uncle Modi on behalf of all inmates. Yes, I was in my prison guard. I used to call it pinstripe, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's nicely done. I mean, Uncle Modi brought us nice uniforms. While Ouko continued to serve his time, his daughter and son buried their heads in books. We lost so much time. Losing 18 years of your life with your kids when they needed you the most is, is to a parent can be very traumatic, you know. All I could do was pray for them. All I could do was wish that they perform well in school and I'm proud they didn't let me down. I mean, they went through school very well. They performed very well. And now, they're on the job market. He, oh, he's an electrical engineer and my daughter is law. She's also clearing this year. She's a stubborn friend of mine. <laughs> I've always had a passion for law. And one of the things that motivated me to go to study law was to get justice for my late wife who was killed. And uh, that was one of the factors. But the second thing and how now it started, the nitty gritty, is that I've been invited on behalf of inmates to the Judicial Service Commission to give my views on the new constitution. That was in 2010. And then when they finished, the then Attorney General asked me, Mr. Amos Wako asked me, Pete, are you a lawyer? Then I told him, no, I'm not a lawyer. Then he asked me, would you like to study law? Then I told him, yeah, if you pay for me, I'll study law. And I just threw the gauntlet at him and, and uh, he took it. Then a few days later, I got, um, correspondence from the office of the Attorney General, uh, marked confidential, which came to prison. I was called by the officer in charge and told, hey, there's a hot letter here for you. So when I look at this letter and then it's from the AG, and yeah, uh, could you try and find out which universities can offer you the law degree that you wanted to study? And then we're going to take it from there. And uh, that was the beginning of the journey. While in prison, Ouko carved a name for himself as a scholar. He was the first Kenyan to graduate with a diploma in law while serving life sentence in committee. I was not there for my kids' uh, class 8 graduation, from 4 graduation. I know they're going to clear university and I, I'm not going to be there for them. Then I, I felt worthless as a father. I felt like I'd totally let them down. And I just prayed and told God, show me what to do. And in my prayers, God told me, you write to the president, it was a big deal. So I just took a leap of faith, went to my laptop, wrote a letter to the president and told him even though I don't agree with the decisions of the court to sentence me here, I respect it because I respect the rule of the law. Uh, but the issue here that I'm writing is that I've missed my son's class eight, four, four graduation, and now he's going to 
clear uni. I just ask that you let me go celebrate with my boy. And so that was in August and the process started then in October. The Commissioner General came back to prison and told me, hey Pete, the President has signed your, your staff and you can go home with your other colleagues. And that was the biggest release, so at which I thank uh, President Uhuru very much. His quiet acceptance of his fate and service to the prison paid off when prison gates finally opened about two years ago. Walking out of prison as a free man was both humbling, it was also a very special moment for me because my mom was there and uh, my sister, my friends, people were there. And I mean, when my mom got out of the car and hugged me and started crying, I didn't know how to react because I've never seen my mom crying before. So I didn't know whether she was crying out of joy, out of sadness, out of... I didn't know how to react. I don't know how to react to tears. After 18 years, your tears dry up, so you know. So I was just there like, okay, mom, okay, mom, okay, mom, you know. But the thing is, I was so happy to be with mom, and I know she had lost a lot. She had suffered ill health because of my being away. And I just felt that her prayers had been answered, and she needed to have her son back. Ouko now spends his time in Gara, where he runs his initiative called Crime Sipoa. During his 18 years in prison, Ouko learned a lot, lessons he carried out of the prison with him. The fact that 70% of inmates are the youth motivated me to start an organization. In fact, it, it just came in a prayer that we should start a movement that would help the youth know the negative effects of crime, to help them re, uh, once they get skills in prison, to know how to reintegrate into society, and also to buy community buy-in, to have community buy-in in, in uh, law enforcement, so that the community owns the security process, and it's not like a top-down thing. It's a bottom-up approach that Crime Sipoa uses to reach out to the community. So we involve the community first, security agencies, players in the justice system, everyone. Because Crime Sipoa is not about pit. Crime Sipoa is a credo. It just means crime is not cool. So that they know, irrespective of their status in society, that any criminal action or anything that negates the values of this country does not work for the good of this country. And if you love your country, Crime Sipoa. I want to tell you a story about Manson. Manson was this 28-year-old interior designer, a father to a loving daughter and a son, who found himself behind bars due to a broken down judicial system. He was framed for a murder he didn't commit, and he was sentenced to the gallows. My real name's are Peter Manson. With a standing ovation at the TED talk show, Uko's fight against crime remains crisp. As the sun sets on the city, the glow remains in the eye of this man who believes he can inspire many with the lessons that life has taught him. His very own example of shining hope, one foot after the other, a day at a time. We depart with Peter Uko's lesson printed on our minds that there is life in and out of prison.
Sharon Kiprono for Views as a News.